0: The only thing the Colts have going for them is their kicker uh, wears cool glasses uh, when he's on the field, and which I like.
1: So, welcome to all 4 your one-stop shop for views, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's Christmas time. We're all a little bit tired, but it's the business end of the season. So, hey, we got Cotter here. We got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Where are we all at the moment?
0: I'm back in Cork after a week in Athlone, visiting, seeing my nieces and trying to uh, chase around energetic toddlers and such like. Um, So now I'm back at home chasing around energetic cats. (laughs) A campaign against the Christmas trees going? Oh, it's hopeless, hopeless. Well, my fiance came back and replaced a lot of them, so the, the game is up, really.
1: Poor Eddie. Yeah, oh, well.
0: Disappointing return altogether.
1: What about yourself, Ronan? You're up in cabin, are you? Yep, still in Cavan, eating a lot, watching a lot of content.
2: Uh, latest was Uncut Gems on Netflix. Uh, very much recommended. It's got like a sports betting storyline that runs through it, uh, and it's pretty fucking intense, <laughs> to be <laughs> frank. If you're looking for a relaxing evening, I definitely wouldn't watch it, but if you're, looking for, if you're ready for a bit of intensity, uh, definitely recommend it. Adam Sandler is pretty fucking great now, to be honest.
1: I don't know. I was up drinking a little bit late last night, so I'm not sure I want a very intense film for this evening. I think I may go for a rewatch of Hamilton again, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We got the folks a new television for Christmas, and now they're kind of, you know, looking forward to sitting around and watching some some good stuff on it. I think my mother,
2: where it's like she she came back in the room and she uh, like, oh, the pit, that I like in the films over, and I'm like you can rewind television, now, mother. And then I showed it to her, she's like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My <Mind> blow <laughs> what,
0: what sorcery is
1: this? Very good. well, I suppose we'll we'll crack on into the news, etc. So we'll start off with playoff permutations. We're obviously a little bit more clear on a few bits and there's some bits that are just confusingly, you know, vague at the moment. What do we know for certain? I'll take the AFC on this one. What we know is Kansas City have the number one seed. They've locked it up so they get the AFC West Division and a bye week and they get to play at home. Pittsburgh have won the AFC North after a bit of a surprise turnaround that we'll talk about later. And Buffalo have won the AFC East. So what that means is the AFC South is up for grabs between Tennessee, who are playing Houston, and Indianapolis who are playing Jacksonville. And I believe Tennessee have the tiebreaker over Indy. They need the Tennessee loss to be able to take that division in terms of wild card, three of these four will make it either miami baltimore cleveland and the runner-up of the tennessee and indianapolis groupings miami uh, baltimore and cleveland are all in win and in situations so if they are to win their upcoming matches they will make it if there's multiple losses basically miami has all of the tiebreakers baltimore has some cleveland has some and tennessee have some but yeah in the case of multiple losses expect miami baltimore and cleveland i would imagine but uh we will we'll, we'll see how all that shakes out yeah like we kind of we'll, we'll discuss it in the upcoming games with the pittsburgh situations that's a bit of a surprise but it's nice to see kind of good competition for the bottom end of this wild card race and they're all teams that are doing pretty well. Baltimore resurgent, Miami look good, particularly with Fitz under centre. Cleveland, if all of their wide receivers aren't on the COVID list, might be able to surprise a few teams. Like These are decent runner-ups, and it also gives us a good shot at possibly not having
0: to see Indianapolis in the playoffs. (laughs) That, That last one is the important one, yeah. That's what I'm holding out for right now. I mean, I think it's a bit ridiculous. We've gone to seven teams instead of six, and we've still got too many good teams in the AFC that the Essentially, the eighth-best team in the AFC is probably going to be better than the sixth-best team in the NFC, maybe. Certainly, it's that it, there's a bit of um, imbalance in the conferences in that sense. So basically, what's going to happen is one really good team is going to miss out, whereas in the NFC, as we'll talk about, at probably at least two – well, one really crap team and one pretty mediocre team is probably going to make it in. I mean, we can talk about more detail about who's who will get in and who will not, I mean – Cleveland, I think, are, are maybe setting me up for a bit of heartbreak here, putting it all on the line, having to beat a big divisional rival. Yeah, it's 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 a strange one that we have this expanded scenario, and still we have good teams, um, in the process um, of missing out. Yeah,
1: it'd just be a bloodbath if it wasn't. Like, if it'd be a significantly
0: worse <laughs> bloodbath. If yeah, if it was six seventh. spots, oh, if it was six spots, yeah. this would <laughs> yeah. really
2: hell. And in theory, you know, Baltimore have the only super easy matchup they have, Cincinnati, but. They've had some historical issues getting past Cincinnati uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and Cincinnati played up very well against Pittsburgh. Exactly. Brandon Allen, super future superstar, obviously. But uh, but Miami and, uh, and Cleveland are an interesting position because Buffalo and Pittsburgh are really playing for the number two seed, which obviously now doesn't really have that much value. So it'll be really interesting to know whether those two teams, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, choose to put out their full strength team. There's a lot of uncertainty about how much challenge you would expect it to be. Obviously, full strength You'd expect those two matchups to be incredibly difficult, but uh, they may get lucky and uh, the respective coaches might take it easy on them. Uh, And Miami, you know, they're in the best place for tiebreakers. So even if they lost, I'd still favor them to get in. But yeah, Indianapolis seemed like the uh, obvious loser in this scenario, based on what we're seeing here. So they'll probably feel pretty hard done by if they finish 11-5 and and don't make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, but uh, no, you know, I always, I'm, all, I'm always in favour of seeing Philip Rivers' little sad bitch face. Uh, <laughs> do you want to give us a quick whistle-stop tour of the NFC?
2: Yeah, so this, is, this is more of the, the fuck-up conference, basically. But most of the things are now known. We know that Green Bay is going to win the NFC North. We know New Orleans are going to win the NFC South. We know Seattle are going to win the NFC West after defeating the Rams. And we know that Tampa Bay are in the playoffs as a wild card. So what's up for grabs? Uh, three things. The first, the number one seed. Green Bay are in pole position at 12-3 over the 11-4 Seahawks and the 11-4 New Orleans. And the uh, scenarios where they don't get in require them to lose to Chicago. If New Orleans and Seattle both win, then New Orleans would get the number one seed. But if Green Bay and New Orleans both lost and Seattle won, then Seattle would have the number one seed. So, you know, Chicago, they're in the wildcard hunt, as we talk about at the moment. So that's not an easy matchup by any stretch of the imagination and if they fall then New Orleans and Seattle will have a, a good shot at, at at this thing albeit Seattle like you know depending on how things are they may not play their starters if things are going badly early on the one thing to note is that if Seattle lose and New Orleans win and Green Bay lose then Green Bay would still be the number one seed as well Um, that's a likely scenario but it is there Um, so Green Bay in the driving seat we'll see how that turns out um, NFC East <laughs> is a complete fuck up but available. it is relatively simple Washington play Philly on Sunday night football if they win they win the NFC East if they lose then the winner of the Dallas at Giants game that happens earlier on Sunday will win the NFC East that's how, how things would go pretty simple in terms of scenarios then and then we get to the wild card where two spots are available and three teams are going for it the Rams at nine and six are in pole position uh with Chicago and Arizona but at eight and seven uh, Chicago have the tiebreaker over Arizona so if they beat Green Bay, then they are in. Um, it's that simple. And then the winner of Arizona at the Rams would be in as well, as Arizona would have a tiebreaker over the Rams. If Chicago lose, then an Arizona loss would lead to Chicago and the Rams going in, whereas if Arizona win, then Arizona and the Rams would get in. Um, so theoretically, if sh- Chicago were doing badly, then the Rams might you know, feel on, on, on not feel necessary to actually keep playing hard at that point. But... Given the NFL and crazy stuff that happened, it would have to be pretty much a uh, Green Bay beat down very much so for you worry about that. little thing that, that was confirmed in week 16 is that Jacksonville will have the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft and the Jets will have the number two pick in the 2021 draft after Jacksonville lost to Chicago. And the Jets picked up their second win of the season against the Browns. So Trevor Lawrence seems to be on his way to Jacksonville and the think pieces and thought pieces about what the Jets should or shouldn't do with that number two overall pick are already starting in earnest. Trevor Lawrence
1: is a weird looking dude.
2: He's a <laughs> surfer, surfer dude thing, you know,
1: but kind of yeah. elongated a bit, like kind of some weird like Madden face creator stuff going on. Yeah, like he, he, he looks a little bit like a Madden creation. I've just i I've, I've seen a lot of like, you know, the last week has been a lot of people doing mocked up photoshops of him in Jaguars gear and I'm like, oh, I've never noticed how strange his face is. The So the NFC interesting enough, we'll see like you said, if, if, if who's going to be playing full strength. Like I suppose Green Bay will be because that number one seed is valuable, but like, yeah. I think only
2: Tampa Bay have not that much to play for but of yeah. course you know if they get all the way up to the the best wild card and um, by winning then they would get to play the NFC east so depending on how you feel about that they may feel like they have something to play for or not but with an old man tom brady maybe they will prefer just to let things fall where they may
1: In terms of COVID-19 news, there was cases in L.A. with the Chargers, Houston, Cleveland, Buffalo and Tennessee. Again, no effect on scheduling. We're coming into the last week. The big news, obviously, last week was that uh, Cleveland played without four starting wide receivers. Uh, Detroit were playing without coaching staff as well because of a close contact injury. And if I remember correctly, was it Detroit that had the special teams coach who went off book and has been since fired?
2: Yes, not related to COVID-19, but yes, he he basically called his own... Fake punt a got. Yeah, fired. he
1: called his own fake punt <laughs> consulting with the head coach and like, you're a dickhead, you're fired. And apparently I, they've claimed it's a pattern of behavior.
2: Yeah, apparently he has a bit of a reputation for that. Uh, and like, look, I don't know, Detroit, obviously they're playing with an interim coaching ticket anyway after firing Matt Patricia earlier on. So, you know, putting their quarterback coach and their um, running back coach in the offensive play calling positions probably didn't help this week after what was a, a pretty embarrassing game overall, not helped by Matt Stafford going off early, but yeah, just just really sad for Detroit getting absolutely smacked down. But of course, with Cleveland, way more substantial in terms of the playoff hunt, that they lost all their wide receivers, definitely had effect on their uh, offense and uh, could end up being one of the most
1: significant
2: impacts of COVID-19 on the NFL 2020 season.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great, but I suppose it's the thing, we're now at the point where it would appear we are going to make it all the way through the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the main thing to keep in mind, is that uh, we have somehow succeeded in getting 16 of 17 weeks together and a 17th week on the horizon. Getting the regular season done is a huge – it must be acknowledged as a huge success for the NFL, particularly given the two massive outbreaks that happened, the Tennessee outbreak around week four, which which threatened a number of games, uh, and then the more recent outbreak, Baltimore, the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game that that got thrown into chaos and threw a few weeks out um, as well that those were the, the kind of the most high-profile events that have happened and um, really speaks to the NFL pulling it out in terms of the protocols working and in terms of, of teams taking it seriously. I mean, it's it's still too early to tell whether the season will be finished, but you'd have to imagine now, especially as the playoffs come in and fewer teams come involved, more serious teams, It's a it'll be teams will be focused and players will be focused. Um, I think the, the end is in sight, um, which is... Something I will concede that I did not think was going to happen. Around week four, week five, I was like, this season is is doomed. But now it's amazing to to be in a position where we might actually have a Super Bowl on the first weekend of February, um, which is, yeah, a very nice thing. very nice position to be in, given how shit the rest of the world is at the moment.
1: And the NFL has slapped itself in the back and said, you know what, dream bigger. They are planning to expand the regular (laughs) season to 17 games next year. The preseason is expected to be paired back to two or three games to compensate. The proposal is to still only have one bye and to push the Super Bowl back to the second week of February. This was in the CBA stuff that they discussed last year, uh, but the NFL Players Association will be consulted on it. Uh, I imagine we might see some small pushbacks on it, maybe trying to to, to, to get some scheduling moves. Uh, Do we have any idea, Ronan, about how they're going to select the 17th team? they are going to
2: have an extra interconference matchup and it'll be based on divisional standings so basically similar to what you have now where where each uh, there's one interconference fight based on your division ranking
1: oh so 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 if i end up in that situation is it that i'll end up playing i could i could end up playing a team twice no so if you're if you're already playing
2: like the winner of the NFC north you'll be playing the winner of the NFC West or the NFC South. Oh,
1: okay, fair enough, fair enough. So there's some rotation on that. Yeah, because I know, like this, 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 this smells to me like possibly the thing we discussed a couple of times previously about uh, the the possibility for it being a neutral site game. That this is how they'll get around the international stuff. That you know, they could place sixteen games around the around the, the world, in Mexico, in Canada, in, in London, etc. and they become neutral psych games rather than people having to give up home games. But we'll see. I haven't heard any mention of that, but like that was always something that seemed
0: quite logical to me. It seems to me like like a really interesting idea actually now that you mention it. And I certainly think if the NFL have thought of that, that's probably what they're going to be aiming for since yeah. the the current problem is, is trying to get teams to agree to give up home games, and good teams mm-hmm. won't, and it's only crappy teams like Jacksonville um, who are willing to give up multiple home games and stuff okay. like so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, it's the NFL. It's I mean, it's the problem with the game as a sport, I mean, you compare it to things like baseball or basketball where they're having, I mean, basketball is 80 games per team, uh, baseball 160, NFL, I mean... Obviously, they can't play too many more, but they're probably going to try and squeeze it out. I imagine this is probably the first step towards 18 games, which might be a more stable situation to end up in. Um, although it's interesting that if there are 17 games, no team will finish at 500. You will either have a winning record um, or a losing record, which I guess feels more American. Um, nice, baby. Nice. <laughs>
1: fair enough Uh, let's look at some injuries LA Rams quarterback Jared Goff has injured his thumb he's expected to miss week 17 so AAF superstar John Wolford is going to be their current backup he'll probably be starting they're also looking at signing Blake Bortles their running back Darrell Henderson has injured his ankle and he's probably going to miss week 17 as he's week to week Kyler Murray has a lower leg injury week 17 is uncertain Jakeem Grad wide receiver from Miami has an ankle injury and he's expected to miss week 17 and Quad Alexander has an Achilles injury and he's gone for the season for the New Orleans Saints. That's a big knock for them. Yeah, like, these are obviously important 17 and a lot of these guys have a lot to play for. The New Orleans quad, Alexander one is a big hit.
2: Yeah, so I think New Orleans, the chances they were getting number one seed are pretty uncertain. I think if I was a betting man, I'd probably say Green Bay will, will win against Chicago and New Orleans needs some help even in that case. But yeah, I think they, they traded for him earlier this offseason. They're a bit thin at that linebacker. Demario Davis is really the only one that you would consider to be a, like a starting level for a, Super Bowl-level defense, but uh, I'm sure that they will manage to survive. It's a good defense with a lot of good players that can probably move around it. Obviously, the the Rams and the Arizona, both their quarterbacks, um, being uncertain for Week 17. Jared Goff basically we're not expecting that now because he had some thumb surgery um, on Monday evening. Kyler Murray, it's a bit more up in the air, but you could easily see a battle of John Wolford from the AAF and Chris Streveller from the CFL play against each other to decide potentially who makes the playoffs in the case that Chicago do manage to beat Green Bay. So that's a, that's a huge downgrade in terms of their potential to win that game and, and get into the playoffs. And obviously, Daryl Henderson is a pretty solid running back for the Rams, and Cam Akers was injured a couple of weeks ago, and he's uncertain for this game. So the Rams could be coming into this you vital know, game in pretty rough shape. And with their playoff hopes on the the line after losing to Seattle this week, that could end up being a very significant, uh, significant uh, change. And Shaquem Grant is like one of those, you know, decent playmakers that they have in Miami. Um, Very good with like yards after the catch. And, you know, they also have the big game as Buffalo. So we'll see if that has an effect on their offense. They are pretty thin at that position right now. So if
0: Buffalo are resting their starters, they should be fine. But if it's a tough game, then that could be important. The big ones there, at least for week seventeen, is, is the Rams uh, and the Cardinals. I mean, going into a, a playoff decider without your quarterback. I mean, maybe the Rams won't miss them will miss <laughs> golf as much as the Cardinals will miss Murray. But nonetheless, you don't want to be going in there with uh, with Wolford and Strebler. I mean, Blake Bortles would be a very interesting one to see. Certainly, the 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 return and the, the rebirth of the the Blake Bortles career is what we've all been waiting for. Certainly, someone so, someone so iconic to be featured uh, in. Uh, the good place um, should not be sitting um, on the sidelines for too long.
1: Very true. Uh, other minor injury news, Kansas City wide receiver Sammy Watkins has injured his calf. He'll just be rested. They've kind of got nothing to play for this week and they've also got the bye week, so he'll just be rested for the playoffs. Uh, Transaction news, Washington have decided to cut ties with quarterback Dwayne Haskins, was selected 15th overall. He's been replaced by Tyler Heneke during their loss to Carolina in Week 16. He had not been playing fantastically well, but was clearly on the outs with the organization from early on this season since they brought in Ron Ruffera. Uh He was benched in favor of numerous other quarterbacks and eventually Alex Smith. Uh, Tyler Hennecke is just another name to add to the list of players who have been told to play above him. He also then was involved in some uh, recent bad press scandal stuff because uh, he was seen maskless hanging out with strippers and stuff like this. It was not a good look for him. Uh, a guy who is you know, physically quite gifted, but you could see he makes an awful lot of terrible decisions and makes an awful lot of mistakes mentally with his game. I presume someone will take him as a backup reclamation project, but uh, this is not a great look for for, for, for a quarterback because most of his money is guaranteed as well. They're not saving a lot by cutting him. They just think they're better off without him in the building. I think this was
2: a pick that at the time people weren't entirely enthused about. The, the reports coming out afterwards were, you know, a journalist talking about how when the pick happened, the people in the room were, were basically pissed off and this came directly from ownership. Apparently, he, he went to school with, with Dan Snyder's son. And so there was a personal relationship there. And given how much of a fuck-up in every single way Dan Snyder is, that, that makes complete, make complete sense. And when a new coaching staff is brought in to basically clean up the organization uh, in every sense, both footballing and moral, um, it's not surprising that this type of silly pick ends up being thrown away. Look, I think Dwayne Haskins will probably yeah, get another chance just because uh, first-round picks gen tend to get multiple chances. But based on what we've seen so far, I don't really see him as being anything more than a serviceable backup for the rest of his career. And he could yeah. easily be like AJ Manuel out of the league in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think, I think backup, then practice squad, then out of the league is probably how things are going. He's never... He's never looked worthy um, of the name, and I certainly, when when this year, when he lost his starting role in a very limited Washington offense, that was probably the writing on the wall for him. And he's even gotten a few chances back due to injuries and hasn't made the most of it, so um, good riddance to him.
1: Your Giants have extended their defensive back, Logan Ryan, three years, 31 million with 20 million guaranteed. Decent contract for an all-right player, that just makes sense, I think. He always seems to be really up to that 10 million per year, and he got a long-term 10
2: million per year contract, so fair play to him.
1: uh, just a side other note uh, Russell Okun has gotten paid half of his contract money in Bitcoin so he's uh, (laughs) decided he wants to uh, go in the blockchain happy happy days (laughs) for
0: him I suppose wave of the future wave of the future
1: okay we'll move on we'll have a look at the games from last week Okay, first up, we have Indianapolis at Pittsburgh, 24 to 28. This was a big surprise. Pittsburgh secured the AFC North in a comeback win from 24-7 down. Big Ben had 342 yards and three touchdowns as he started to air it out. The defense really put the clamps on, five sacks and interception and a forced fumble. Rivers looked like Rivers, like, Two hundred and seventy yards, a touchdown an interception. Not a ton going on there. Taylor looked good, the uh rookie running back, so he had two touchdowns, but only seventy four yards as the defence really started to key in on him quite a bit. Yeah, like Pitts like uh, Pittsburgh looked better in this, but I did feel a lot of this was the failings of the Indianapolis Colts as well. Like they had them in the position that they should have been able to just stamp on them and they just couldn't do it, and then they started making mistakes, and then they just didn't know what to do with the with the defense. Like, Pittsburgh have always had a talented roster, particularly on defense, but it just wasn't gelling. Not everyone was performing, but we saw more complete defensive performance here, and the offense started to tick a little bit better. I, I didn't see any major shift from you know, first half to second half that caused that spark, apart from, oh yeah, we actually do have some quality players, maybe we should use them.
0: Well, I mean, I think there were some adjustments. Um, I think it's important to note from the Steelers, especially offensively. So in the first half, it was ridiculous. They they broke into their normal, predictable short slants uh, all around. So they were really awful in the first half offensively in Pittsburgh. No big plays, no runs. I think they had four yards of running in the first half total. And then there was the first, what we haven't actually seen from the Steelers yet this season, an actual change of strategy, a change of approach. In the second half, they went for more long throws more runs, and it seemed to work. The, the Colts' defense seemed to go, well, we didn't prepare for this. We prepared for you to do this really predictable thing over and over again. How dare you mix things up? <laughs> um, and so they, they kind of fell to bits. And as the Steelers' defense was still delivering and even stepped up their intensity in the second half, it kind of turned things around. I mean, the Colts, I mean, I hate the Colts as a team. They, they bore me to death, so I would be happy to see the end of them. They're entirely reliant on this idea of competence or what the commentators have called efficiency. <laughs> is, is their is there nice code word now for being boring and crap. The only thing the Colts have going for them is their kicker uh, wears cool glasses uh, when he's on the field, which I like. But uh, yeah, this, this is the Steelers rescuing their season and rescuing probably the number two seed. If their offense can play like they played in the second half, I think they could be dangerous in the playoffs because their big downside was the fact that their offense could not play to the same level as their defense was playing. And now we've seen that maybe... There is something in that, but conversely, they could go back to their old predictable ways and fall short um, very quickly in the playoffs. Coming out of this, these, these are two supposedly good teams, neither very inspiring, but at least the Steelers have shown me in this game that they have a little bit more about them. Um, at the, on the coaching side, which might make the difference in terms of a good playoff run.
1: Well, I was going to ask you, Ronan, do you think that this is now a Pittsburgh team that's realised some of its mistakes and can turn it on going into the playoffs, or is this just kind of a spark of life against an also-ran?
2: It's a situation where Big Ben was, certainly for during the peak of his career, someone who was more than willing to throw the ball down the field, more than willing to you know, you know, be a bit inventive at the way he chose to play the game. And the fact that they were willing to at least try some of that uh, made sense. And they have the players that do that. They have Deontay Johnson. They have Chase Claypool. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. These are dynamic attacking weapons who can make many of yards and don't have to simply be like yards after the catch specialists. So, you know, as, if, if, if Big Ben controlled the ball somewhat deep with a decent accuracy, then if defenses are keyed in and stopping the short passing play, then you should have opportunities that he should be able to take at least some advantage of. And similar to Tampa Bay, where, you know, over the last few weeks, they've managed to adjust a bit and throw it down the field with more success. You know, if you're a good coaching staff and Mike Tomlin is a good coach, then, you know, this is something you should have been done earlier. And it's a bit weird that you had to wait, you know, till you're in a massive hole before you're actually willing to pull out that part of the playbook for the first time in what feels like multiple seasons. But for I think on the coach side, you know, this is a devastating loss. Obviously, it puts them in the back of the line for the playoffs in the wildcard position and in the AFC South. And it's also a situation where, like, if you're an efficient team, if you're efficient, you should be good at closing out games. They have a pretty solid defense. Um, Jonathan Taylor has been better over the last month or so, and they seem to have added that dynamic running game that kind of let them grind at the clock. And the fact that they gave up a 24-7 lead, and those seven points for Pittsburgh in the first half, remember, came off a turnover by Philip Rivers, that's... You know, goes against everything that this Indianapolis Colts team is supposed to be good at. It's supposed to be solid, doesn't give up huge collapses, just does its work, picks up the points, and then beats teams who are less efficient and make more mistakes. So yeah, like Pittsburgh... I would give them, there's a bit of life there. Maybe they're not the complete mess we thought they were over the last month. Maybe they can kind of get back into form like Baltimore have in time for the playoffs. Uh, But for the Colts, this is incredibly disappointing. And, you know, I've probably been the highest of the Colts on this podcast, but this is a a result that, that very much puts me against them nearly as much as you guys are, to be honest
1: Next up, Cleveland at the New York Giants. A uh, bit of a surprise here, 16-23. to 23. So, obviously, as we mentioned, the wide receiverless uh Browns didn't get as much going here. Baker, 285 yards and two forced fumbles. Uh, snuck lost the ball on a QB sneak uh, during the comeback. Like, the Jets, I don't know what it is. Do they now just want to get Adam Gase paid? I'm a bit confused. dartle looked good-ish, 170 yards and two touchdowns. Like, he did what needed to be done. They got their uh, running game going for the yeah, like solid defense, and the Browns didn't have any wide receivers. Like that's, it's, it's 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 a recipe for you know
0: a boring win. The the story here is is the Browns screwing things up, and uh, I mean I'm very mad at them for for screwing up potentially screwing up their first playoff berth in eighteen years. The loss of the wide receivers did kind of, I think throw off the offensive rhythm a bit in terms of they were losing a, a lot of practice squad wide receivers who didn't know their routes properly or. Baker Mayfield didn't trust them, and so the offense was kind of thrown off. He was throwing to his running backs and his tight ends, which meant that just things weren't clicking. Well, that said, the defense needed to be better. They should not be giving up 23 points to, to the New York Jets. And I think this kind of it combined that they got out of rhythm uh, offensively. The defense then got itself out of rhythm and was getting beaten early. Baker Mayfield started making errors. I think he had three fumbles that, le- that led to turnovers in some way or another. Um, and then the weird, there was a kind of a weird ending where the fumble on a fourth and one recovered by Kareem Hunt, but because of some this weird rule that I, I think it's a bit of a stupid rule that a, an offensive player who the non non-fum, a non-fumbler offensive player cannot advance the ball. But this is only a rule that applies to fourth down situations. So it literally is this is a rule that only applies to this one specific scenario in which the Browns are. Can I I, I hazard an
1: explanation there for you?
0: Go on, go on.
1: I I think the idea behind it is beforehand, if there was nothing happening in fourth down, because you would be turning the ball over anyway, people would intentionally fumble the ball forward and hope that their player gets it, but like worst case scenario, they're, 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 they're giving them the other team less good field position. There's very minimal downside to them intentionally fumbling a ball forward on fourth down, so that the idea was specifically to stop that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I can understand the logic of it. I mean, I guess from my point of view, think about something like, for example, in rugby, where you do have, there's a distinction, say, between a, there's a thing called an intentional knock-on in rugby, where if you do try to get the ball forward in an illegitimate way, but it's obvious that you're doing it intentionally, you get penalized. Maybe that's what the NFL needs here, because this was the Browns being penalized for, recovering a fumble. like There was no attempt. This wasn't some like grand master plan by Baker Mayfield to fumble <laughs> the ball and then someone else would pick it up on the other side of the line. So I, I think, uh, I mean, I just I just think it's because of how costly it is, uh, I think it's just a weird rule to to have lost a very important game on. I mean, the important thing for the Browns is the destiny is still in their hands. If they beat the Steelers, they're in. The question for them now is this psych- psychology. This is a team with an inferiority complex. This is a team that earlier this season has kind of lost two big games to Baltimore and Pittsburgh, so it's how they bounce back from this. The Jets, I mean, I think we have to say the Jets have been non-terrible for quite a few weeks now. We The two wins, obviously, but also the the fact that they almost beat or they should have beaten the Raiders. They came very close to beating the Patriots uh, six or seven weeks ago. This is a team I think that in the second half of the season has actually come together and is now resembling an actual football team. Probably not enough to save Adam Gase's job but certainly enough to not be the automatic win that they were for the first say 11 12 weeks um, obviously. yeah
1: from for, for, for a Jets fans perspective you gotta hope it's not enough to save Gase's job <laughs> yeah
0: and like
1: like let, let's not get too
2: uh, carried away like the defense has definitely improved when since Greg Williams has left and you know left the uh, zero blitzes behind but like in terms of the darnell decision I still don't see enough from him. That you want to invest another in year in him, like you're at the second overall pick, you either pick the best guy available or you could trade down and get someone that you like more later on the first round. But Darnold to me just doesn't look still like like the kind of dynamic offensive weapon that he thought he would be. Like one of the TDs here came off a Crowder uh, trick pay trick play. So you know, like the Jets, there's there's a bit of hope here despite the fact they've obviously missed out the number one pick by by choosing to win these two games. But yeah, Darnold for me isn't the future the team. Gase isn't the future of that team. But there are lots of really interesting pieces on the future. that Team Mek- Becton has been a really good first uh, round pick at left tackle, and they've got a few play- players on the defensive line. Leonard Williams has been really good, and Marcus May is good as a safety. They have some pieces there like Denzel Mims that make you excited. But I think a quarterback and coach change is needed if they're gonna you know you know take this to the next level and actually stop being a complete fuck up of a team.
1: Next up at Atlanta, the City, fourteen to seventeen. God, this game was. Sh- not great for the truth. Coup <laughs> uh, missed a 39-yard field goal to let KC away in a game that probably deserved the overtime, but no one wanted it. It was also somewhat telling about the universe that ku had made 27 consecutive kicks but would not go to 28 because that would be 28 threes and they don't like that. <laughs> um, Ryan had 300 yards and two touchdowns and looked good, but the defense just were able to kind of pinned Kansas City pretty well. There was a worrying inconsistency in Chiefs' offensive line that allowed Mahomes to be on the run for the entire day. Vine, overall, 270, two touchdowns and interception. He had one or two errant throws. Like, that really could have been another interception there as well. Um, And he threw it at a particularly bad time. But look, the run game was working better. They went over five and a half yards per carry. But it's not like the offensive line is worrying the lack of the deep ball ring. I know, again, that, you know, Andy kind of sitting with playing with a small playbook and stuff. although that said he did do a very strange he recreated the uh the pir- four players pirouetting in the backfield move from the uh, 1933 Rose Bowl or whatever it was uh, but this time then gave the ball to a wide receiver who then passed to Pat Mahomes going for the touchdown like it's just weird shit. like so yeah they escaped with the win I, to be honest I think they probably would have won in overtime anyway but it was also just not the performance you want to see going into the playoffs you got to Hope that the Isles two weeks off will help them get back to back to hundred percent.
2: Like I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about Kansas City. Like they came into this season without, you know, a preseason, and they still look really good. We know that Andy Reid, when given a bye week or a multiple bye weeks, tends to come out the other end with some crazy shit that tends to work. And this just felt like a game where maybe Kansas City, you know, you've been complaining all year about it. They're just they haven't quite been willing to totally kill teams off. And this certainly felt like a game where they just, they weren't bringing their A game and they were trying some stuff, as you say, like a trick play that didn't turn out. And Atlanta came with a solid game plan that should have been good enough to take this to overtime. Matt Ryan was solid, didn't make those boneheaded mistakes he sometimes made this season. And yeah, the defense seemed to have a, a basically tried to replicate what the New Orleans Saints did last week, which was stop the deep ball, um, let them run. And, you know, like, let Kelsey basically have another good game. He had nearly 100 yards here in the touchdown.
1: Now got the, he's now got the, the record for the most yards to a tight end in a regular season.
2: So it'll be interesting to see that if in the playoffs, you know, we, we now have this, like, two-week template of what teams have done to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs uh, significantly, whether whoever they're facing has a good enough defense to do that and does try that. Because stuff like blitzing doesn't work, but all this kind of coverage, eight-men in coverage type of stuff seems to be more effective so we'll we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I'm sure Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are already in the lab thinking of how to to take advantage of this in a more aggressive way going forward. Yeah. So for Atlanta, like, look, they've they've been solid since they fired Dan Quinn. They've picked up some wins. They've had some heartbreaking losses. This is probably you know relatively heartbreaking for Atlanta, not really that heartbreaking for Atlanta, but. You know, they go into the offseason with a lot of questions about the future of their team, with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones being the big question of whether that's the future of the team. And yeah, like they're solid. But for, yeah, Kansas City, a warning shot here. But I'm I'm confident that they can figure this out and have a plan ready for when the, the
0: action really matters in January. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into this. I think the Chiefs have a number of gear. We've seen that they can move through the gears when necessary, but they seem to be conserve I don't know if it's a subconscious thing or whatever they seem to be conserving their energy uh, in games doing just enough. I mean they were very lucky here not only the the missed field goal which shouldn't have been missed but also the fact that Terrell the uh, Atlanta defender dropped a, an interception in the end zone with 2 minutes left at the point the Falcons were still winning the game. So I mean very much could have been uh, lost there as well. The defense that the Chiefs defense played a lot better here than they have I think in the past few weeks so is a good sign there. So, yeah I mean it is it's every team every good team has a game or two a season where they just don't kind of fire the normal cylinders um, I remember back in the day of the, the 16 and0 Patriots had a game against the, the Baltimore Ravens who were absolutely terrible and they ended up having to needing a, a fourth down conversion to, to, to beat them so I mean these kind of games happen for the Chiefs I think when they face good teams they tend to, to raise their games to the teams that they're playing and the Falcons are a pretty mediocre team so they only gave out a mediocre um, performance, But I mean, I think it's important to note this is 14 wins for the Chiefs, which is uh, franchise record. It's the first time they've ever gotten to 14 wins.
1: Next up, Miami at Vegas, 26-25. Jesus, no one wanted to fucking win this game. magic <laughs> came out because Tua was pulled because he was playing shite. Goes Las Vegas touchdown, Miami touchdown, Las Vegas field goal, Miami field goal to win. Gaskin went off. Uh, if you had him in your fantasy final, you probably did pretty well. 159 and two touchdowns for them. Yeah, just Fitzmagic came in and he just proved again that he does add that kind of surprising little sprinkle of X-Factor. He won the game with a deep shot that was a no-look pass because his head was turned backwards because of an <laughs> defender. Grabbing him by the face mask, and that got them within range to uh, to be able to sink the game winning field goal. It was interesting. Gruden said afterwards as well that they made the decisions they made on the prior drive to, you know, run down the clock and kick the field goal because of what had happened against the Kansas City Chiefs in a previous game, uh, which is worrying. We have that much space in your head. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Aguilar went for 155 yards, which was uh, very impressive. Uh, You'd you'd, you'd almost wonder if uh, maybe he wasn't all the problem in those Philadelphia teams.
2: Look, this is a game that if you're watching back, just fast forward through the first uh, three quarters, it's a bit of a grind of a game. I think it was like 16-16. Both teams were kind of playing relatively conservatively. Like there was a couple of big plays, the Waller and Aguilar, which were nice, but other than that, it was pretty, pretty tepid, especially from Miami where Tua... Look, Tua... Like spreads the ball, he's kind of a point guard uh, quarterback, if he doesn't get his first read, tends to hang on to the ball tends to make mistakes, doesn't really seem to kind of fully understand the, the game of football, and look, Fitzmagic does he fully understand the game of football? I'm not sure, but he sure doesn't really care he's going to throw it down anyway (laughs) <laughs> and give, it a, give it a heave when he wants to. And yeah, the end of this game was just absolutely insane. Like, the Las Vegas had a, a really long touchdown to Aguilar, and then it took two plays for Fitzmagic to get a long touchdown to Gaskin, where he tiptoed down the sideline. And this is after Fitzmagic had come in earlier in the fourth quarter and thrown a dart of a of a touchdown to uh, the tight end, uh, where it just did, like double coverage, and it was just like... Yeah, that's what Fitzmagic is all about. And then, as you say, like the like Las Vegas, they're inside the two-minute warning. They're inside the red zone, and Josh Jacobs slides at the one-yard line to milk the clock all the way down to twenty seconds, which, as you say, was due to you know the fact that Kansas City won. But like, you know, you can debate back and forth of whether you know they should have taken the touchdown or not. Personally, I would have taken the touchdown. It would have been different. If they hadn't the missed the extra point on the previous touchdown, and they were, it this would have put them up by three instead of two. But I think if you're only going to be up by two, I would take the points and make them get a touchdown with um, only, um, and they go for two, of course, to make it, like, you have the chance to make it a, like a full touchdown game again uh, with a two point conversion. Make them get a touchdown in a minute, which I think is you know usually quite difficult when you don't have any timeouts because you've already milked all the timeouts at that point. But instead, they, they chose the, the slide at the one. Miami get 20 seconds on the clock. It does look like an impossible position, as you say. They, Fitzmagic gets the ball, he looks up, and he just heaves the ball while his head has been snapped off by a defender to Mac Collins. And, yeah, the, with the 15 yards from the penalty for the uh, the face mask, they're they in field goal range. And, yeah, their, their kicker has been, uh, Sanders has been game all, all year. And so that's it. I think for, like, Miami... They've been very questionable, like they're in prime position to get to the playoffs, but there have been lots of games where they've been questionable. They obviously now have a question over what they're going to do with quarterback. I imagine they'll stick with Tua and then kind of see Fitzmagic as the emergency relief pitcher, an unusual thing in the NFL, but he seems to be really good at it. So fair play to them. And for Las Vegas, yeah, obviously they, they had lots of yards from Aguilar and from Waller. They had these explosive plays all game, but... In a grinding game for so much of it, they had opportunities in the red zone and stuff that they weren't able to convert. They only got one touchdown on their four trips to the red zone. And on third down, they had zero third down conversions in this entire game. So Las Vegas, you know, they were in prime position to make it a playoffs a month or a month and a half ago. They have squandered it in the most awful, awful ways week after week, week after week. And yeah, they 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 deserve to to have collapsed here. They deserve to have collapsed overall this season. And if I'm a Raiders fan and I'm looking at another what seven years of John Gruden, I'm not necessarily looking with the future with with that much hope in my heart.
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels kind of like that the the Raiders stole a win from the NFC East a few weeks back, so the universe decided that they owed one back. I mean, I agree with you. The decision to not kill the game with the with the with the with the field goal. Or with the touchdown was a very poor mistake. It's so much harder to score a touchdown in a in a two minute, one minute drill scenario than to get down to whatever the twenty five yard line to kick a field goal. I mean that those last twenty five yards are, are what divides great teams from good teams in terms of two minute drills. So it's a very strange decision. Yeah, Vegas is season completely collapsed, and you can just kind of I don't know what went wrong. They just stopped executing. There's no big difference in terms of strategy or in terms of personnel. They just have just stopped doing the things well that they've been doing earlier in the season, and they've gone from a six and three where they almost beat the Chiefs twice in the same season to being seven and eight and out of the playoffs. For the Dolphins, I mean, the contrast here between Fitzmagic and Tua, I think, is very eye-opening. Tua, I mean, yeah, he's it's a strange he's a strange kind of quarterback. He's a he's a short-yardage first-look quarterback who he he. He's reliable, but I wonder if he's going to turn into a game manager type as things go on. He doesn't have that excitement to him, whereas Fitzmagic is the exact opposite. All he has is the excitement and diversity and and the explosives and none of the fundamentals. It's going to merge merge the talents of both these two quarterbacks into one. You'd have a very, very good quarterback. But individually, they're both quite flawed. I think I would rather have Fitzmagic particularly – um, in kind of this first season where Tua doesn't have the experience, maybe I would I would put Fitzmagic behind as as my playoff uh, quarterback because I don't think Tua is going to deliver you any big wins, whereas at least FitzMagic has that ability um, to, to break to, to break things so, up. But the constant so the then that the
1: are you suggesting that the future of Miami is to get out uh, Tua uh, and FitzMagic?
2: I think we all want to see magic in the playoffs. That'll be way more interesting, way more fun. And considering that he's obviously very much near the end of his career, I think he's the kind of guy that uh, deserves a a shot to kind of, you know, go go out all guns blazing, which he almost certainly would in in a major loss or a major
1: win. He would go for it 100%. Yeah, no, it was fun Ah, Sean, San Francisco at Arizona, 20 to 12. Surprise outcome. Arizona's playoff hopes get significantly reduced here. Jeff Wilson, 200 yards and touchdown. Beat hard, three touchdowns and nearly 200 yards. Uh, Arizona were able to move it quite chunkily at times, but there was just a lot of mistakes. And the defense for San Fran shut them out.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is very much, I think uh, we can mark this down as a coaching win with the 49ers kind of coaching. Uh, not just Shanahan, but also Robert Sala. I think they did a very good job here pulling it all together. The defense is a top-five defense despite all their injuries, which kind of says an awful lot of what's going on. I think they'll be back next year once they get the pieces back together. In this, it was defense plus Jeff Wilson had a very good game to pull it out. I mean, the bigger story is the Cardinals' side of it. This is We know this is what the Cardinals are capable of. They've been very inconsistent all season. Uh, they just have days where they just don't show up or they – They just don't do enough of the good stuff. Um, At least from their perspective, they can still get in the playoffs with a win against the Rams or the other scenarios that that Fitz um, has outlined. I mean, they just don't inspire me. I mean, I like watching Murray sometimes, but there's just too much inconsistency for me to get behind this.
2: Is, Is Cliff Kingsbury one of the most overrated coaches in the league right now? He might be.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a strange one. I, I find the Cardinals such a strange team all around. One thing in this game that really got me weird is that they must hate their punter because they went for it on fourth down, I think, six times during the game. And they were all fairly short, like fourth and second, fourth and three, but they were doing it from their own 30-yard line. Indeed, one of the, the San Francisco scores was because they, they didn't succeed with a fourth down on their own 30-yard line, which I thought was a very strange decision. Um, all around. So the Cardinals, they have talent, but they, I think it is a coaching issue. The coaching isn't pulling the talent together, whereas conversely, the Niners have been depleted talent wise this season because of the injuries, but their coaching is at such a high level that they can still pull out um, wins like this. So in the long term, I think I'd much rather be a 49ers fan than a Cardinals fan, even with Kyler Murray as the exciting quarterback um, of the yeah. future.
1: like, fuck it, Nooks down there somewhere is not a viable game plan to. Run through the playoffs like they just yeah it's it's it, there's there, there's nothing overly inventive to it like it feels like a lot of the stuff that we like out of this Arizona offense is just when stuff doesn't work and they're running around they're just figuring stuff out backyard it feels like, like a, a, football style it feels like Andrew Luck
2: era Colts kind of shit
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so look. Arizona need to put it up. San Francisco, a nice little touch against a divisional rival at the back end of a dead season. Rams at Seattle, 9-20. to Rona, this is a tight game, tense game. Rams had some offensive issues because, you know, Jared Goff is shit. they got to go the <laughs> stop against the Chiefs. Seattle Just defense. tell it
0: like it is, yeah.
1: We're halfway through Christmas and I was drinking at three o'clock last night. I'm not sugarcoating this. Jared Goff is terrible. <laughs> Russ Russ does enough, 230 yards, but also like the Seahawks team isn't particularly scary. I do like that they're coming out and deciding that they are the best defense in the league. I'm not sure who is. I wouldn't have thought it was the Seattle defense to be honest. But uh, no, no, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe it is, but they seem to certainly think it is. The LA Rams defense was getting good pressures, five sacks, like it was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Tell us about it, Ron. Yeah, like, so like I
2: think on the Seattle side, it's, as a Seattle fan myself, it's been really interesting what's happened over the last month and a half where they've kind of gone from facing a lot of offensive kind of superpowers um, to a series of teams that have pretty bad offenses overall and pretty good defenses. And basically, very early on in that sequence, the Seattle coaching staff, Pete Carroll, have decided that the way to win is to reduce your mistakes to not have those like huge turnover games like they had against Buffalo earlier this season. And it's basically meant that Russell Wilson numbers are way down. They're running the ball a lot more and that they're relying on their defense to, you know, basically bottle in. What are Let's be honest, most of these offenses don't, don't put much of a scare into you. And certainly with Jared Goff, that, that's certainly true of the Rams as well. And when you see a game like this with the Rams, even with that conservative game plan, got 5 sacks... It it was probably the right thing to do. This was a game that was incredibly tight for most of it. uh, 6-6 at the half, for example. And it was only in the fourth quarter that Seattle uh, managed to get away. And that's only because their defense has shown up over the last year. Uh, Yes, they're not the best offenses that they've faced, but they they, they put pressure on Goff. And the goal line stand that they had, where Jamal Adams basically had to come from the opposite side of the uh, line to, to stop Daryl Henderson getting into the t- end zone in the first place, they set up the goal line stand, and then four downs where the Rams ran it four times, stopped again, 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 and again. You know, it's not it's not particularly fancy stuff. It's not going to... People writing out the, getting the chalkboard out and seeing how innovative it is, but it's good, effective defensive football, the stuff that Pete Carroll built a Super Bowl-winning team around. Just, this is nowhere near as good as that team in terms of defense, but it's a like way, way better than it was for the first half of this season. And yeah, for the Rams, yeah, all of the issues in this thing, if you're talking about Seattle where they didn't make mistakes, not the same for the Rams. That interception from Goff was an absolute, I don't know what the hell he saw. He just threw it straight to Quandre Diggs. And it was just a terrible, terrible play. He had a few nice third round, third down conversions earlier on in the game, but once it got into the second half, he just seemed to get out of his rhythm. The running game got started to get shut down completely, and he just made a complete hames of it. We now know he might have been hurt for part of the game. Maybe that had an effect, but he's just a very ineffectual quarterback. He his only merit is that he's a fairly you know physically talented player who is trying to channel the spirit of uh, Sean McVay through him. But once the spirit of Sean McVay is, you know, put away because, you know, you can't talk to him until 15 seconds before the play and the defense gets after him. He's just he just isn't smart. I don't know if he knows where the sun rises, but, you know, I don't know if the Rams are rising to a Super Bowl anytime soon with him at quarterback.
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, Sean, you love the NFC East Philadelphia, Dallas 17 to 34.
0: Yeah, only two more NFC East games to go. Where we're finally getting to the end of, of this miserable division. one of them has to make the playoffs. <laughs> it's true, it's true. I mean, the big takeaway from this from this is Philly lose 37-17 to Dallas and are therefore eliminated from contention in the NFC East. How embarrassing is it to be eliminated from contention in the nfc east i mean that that's just the, the greatest mark um on a, on a coach in a team i can think of right now the cowboys are live they've won three in a row they're beginning to get things together a bit here so they're down early 14-3 but then dalton and the offense got going dalton 377 yards three touchdowns interception the wide receivers were, were having a great day Gallup had 121 yards two touchdowns cooper got over 100 yards as well even zeke at 139 yards, and by far his best game uh, in quite a while. So it feels like the Cowboys are coming together offensively. We always knew that Dalton was going to play to the level of talent around him, and there is a good bit of talent around him, so they could be dangerous. Certainly they look like the one NFC East team that could say, uh, taking for granted say that they're going to be playing, say, the Bucks, um, as the four seed versus the five seed, the, the Cowboys could be the one team that could give them difficulty. I can't see Washington... Um, or the Giants um, actually winning a playoff game, whereas the Cowboys could. From the Eagles' side, we began to see the limitations of Jalen Hurts, I think, a little bit. He had over 300 yards of passing, but he did two interceptions and a forced fumble. When he had to pull them back from behind, I think he struggled a bit. I also think maybe the Dallas defense is is a little bit better than it was earlier in the season. Um, So the Cowboys, even after all of the madness of the season, the Cowboys, who were the most talented team going into the start of the season, look like they might be in the best position now to actually win this division and I wouldn't say it gives them some dignity but at least it's a it's a you can point them and say that that is a football team Uh, Not a particularly good football team, but nonetheless uh, a football team. I thought there was only one
1: football team. Yeah, speaking (laughs) of the football team, I'm going to say Carolina, the Washington football teams, uh, 20 to 30. This was horrendous. Washington were terrible. Haskins, 150 yards, two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a big fucking firing afterwards. Yeah, look. They just gave the ball away a ton. Special teams gave Carolina some scores. Carolina didn't look great. Teddy was sub 200 yards. He had an interception as well. Uh, the Washington defense looked real good. Like That defensive line is really impressive. But like, there's very little happening on the other side. They need Smith back. It's surprising. I wouldn't have thought he'd be that much of a difference maker for them. But versus like what they were actually putting out there, it was terrible. Yeah, this is... Uh, terrible game, and don't watch the highlights. Uh, Minnesota at New Orleans running 33 yeah. to 52.
2: Alvin Kamara single handedly sweeps Minnesota from the playoffs 172 yards and six touchdowns, equaling the uh, rushing touchdown record. Other than that, like Breeze was obviously still hurt, and there was a bit of up and down in terms of his play, but you know, over 300 yards, the two interceptions, you know, I think are fair. So I just think you know, he he, he you see the shell of a good like the breeze that we expect, but just these throws where he's hurt are being mixed in that are causing some issues. They really can't afford those turnovers in the playoffs. And, like, look, Cousins was fine. Cook was kept quiet by the fact that they were in a whole all game. It just felt like a classic Minnesota getting beat up by a better team scenario. And, yeah, bye-bye, Minnesota and New Orleans. We'll see you in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, Sean, the uh, King Henry and the Tennessee Titans went up to Green Bay, and they got the shit kicked out of the 14-40.
0: Yeah, so they're beaten pretty heavily. Two kind of similar teams here. Both have really good offenses, but both defenses are, are quite unconvincing. The difference here, I think, was that the, the weather affected Tennessee a bit more, that the snow made it, Obviously, Green Bay are a lot more comfortable playing in the snow. And, and similarly, I, I think that the Tennessee Titans defense is just so bad um, that, that it kind of makes a big difference um, here. Rodgers had four touchdowns. Not a lot of yards, 231 yards, but, but four touchdowns. Adams had, had a big night, three touchdowns, 142 yards. A.J. Dillon, the, the, the breakout running back, it seems to be, he had a good day to two touchdowns. He needed both touchdowns because he missed the Lambeau leap uh, after the first one. Um, <laughs> so he had to, to, he had to earn a second shot um, at it. Without the fans to pull you off, prepared, the Lambeau leap is quite a difficult thing to do. Chris Collinsworth gave us a lot of a good breakdown analysis uh, in the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> about the difficulty of the Lambo leap. Um, but yeah, not an awful lot to learn from this game aside from the fact that, that Tennessee's defense is absolutely terrible. Their pass defense is atrocious. They have no pass rush. I think they managed to get one sack in this game, which is the only sack this defense has gotten in the month of December. Henry didn't make 100 yards. I think he's going to fall short. He's about 200 yards short of 2,000 yards for the season now. So that is probably out of the window um, as well. Can Hill didn't do anything throwing. He did have a nice run for a touchdown that made it close. Um, but ultimately, their defense just couldn't stop Green Bay from scoring. Rodgers is in MVP mode. I'm still not convinced by this Packers team. I think the first tough team that punches them in the mouth is going to knock them out of the playoffs. But against teams which they can roll over like this, they are fun to watch, definitely.
1: No, of course. And now we'll move over to the last couple of games in the dump-off with Ronan.
2: Yep, first up, Chicago at Jacksonville, 41-17. Chicago keep their payoff destiny in their own hands. They hand Jacksonville the number one overall pick in the process, so, you know, yay for Jacksonville. Uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, was solid, 265 yards to to touchdowns, but he had, as Mitch does, one really stupid interception or fumble or something like that, in this case an interception. But like Montgomery has been the engine of this offense, 95 yards and a touchdown um, for the last month or so. We'll see how far that can take them if they make the playoffs. Uh, Glennon was meh, but who cares, because Jacksonville are going to have a new quarterback soon. Um, But there's literally no consistency in that offense or defense. So, yeah, full rebuild coming in Jacksonville next year. Tampa Bay at Detroit, 47-7, an embarrassing, absolute annihilation of the Detroit Lions who had no coaches. Matt Stafford went out early and Tom Brady just went, okay, uh, 348 yards and four touchdowns in the first half and then got the second half off and might get this week off as well. So, you know, easy easy times for Tampa Bay as they secure a playoff spot. And Detroit, yeah, big questions for them for the entire offseason. The only thing to cheer for was a touchdown in special teams from Agnew. New York Giants at Baltimore, an important game in terms of playoffs, but not in terms of actually watching. Uh, Baltimore basically dominated this end-to-end over a lackluster Giants team, with Lamar showing once again. He's in that 2019 form, 262 yards, two touchdowns. He had a forced fumble, but uh, that was when the game was mostly away. And the run game has become dominant again, 6.2 yards per carry, a number that many teams would struggle to resist at this point in the season um, the defence also harassed Jones all, all game he had 255 yards and touchdown most of that laid on and Baltimore look well placed in the playoffs I certainly wouldn't want to see them if I was uh, going into the playoffs this year and the Giants are holding on by a thread in the playoffs but as Sean said wouldn't trust them to go any further than the wild card if they make it Cincinnati at Houston a dead rubber game but surprisingly fun 37-31 to 31. <laughs> Brandon Allen uh, held his own against Deshaun Watson in a shootout uh, 371 yards and t- touchdowns for Allen versus 324 yards and three touchdowns for Deshaun Watson as neither defense decided to show up. Uh, they had one sack and one turnover between them and over a thousand yards allowed overall. So yeah, probably the most fun game of the weekend, uh, even if it's the dumbest game. David Johnson actually had some yards, so good for him. Uh, Miami now we are going to get a top five pick because Houston obviously traded away that uh, for Laramie Tunsell. And yeah, I think the only thing that came out of this of note is that uh, JJ Watt gave an interview afterwards where he was very impassioned about you know where we're supposed to do our jobs and you know we're getting paid lots of money and yeah fuck off JJ we don't believe a shit paid from you to be honest Denver at the Chargers 16-19 another dead rubber um, and a messy game as you'd expect between two very flawed teams but Herbert was solid with 250 yards and a touchdown and kept control didn't make mistakes even though he's missing Keenan Allen again. So Denver defense missing some pieces but which is still solid on the other hand Locke made costly mistakes again. Two picks in this game. They'll not have by some drops from Judy. And the run game was solid. So it really no excuse for Locke. Major questions to quarterback for Denver there. I'd rather be a Chargers fan right now, to be honest. And finally, Buffalo at New England in Monday Night Football. They did what I wanted to do last week. They beat down New England with everything they had. 355 yards and four touchdowns for Allen, with Diggs having about 150 of those and three of the touchdowns. And they just asserted their dominance. They went alpha on New England. Bill Belichick was throwing down the phone in disgust, uh, uh, you know, and frustration. And, you know, they had this game over by halftime under a 28-9 up. Uh, Cam Newton did nothing. Uh, they brought him Stidham. He did nothing. The only good thing for New England is that Sony Michel has come back and looked solid since, he, since then. But yeah, Buffalo Bills own this division. New England, go on the Scrappy. Um, I don't know, Sean, just before we go on to the previous, if you want to you wanna give a little prayer for the end of the New England dynasty. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's, it's sad it is the end of an era. I mean, I, I think I've had a few weeks to come to terms with it now. I mean, it's huge rebuilding project. Certainly going to start have to start with finding a good quarterback. But I think I've heard Gilmore might be leaving as well. I mean, there I think there's a huge rebuilding project. And one has to question whether Balichick, at, at his age... Has the energy or the patience to start all over um, again? Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before the Pats are back to where they used to be. It's kind—I of, think we, uh, I'm kind of sad that we missed. We only had really had one season of the Bills being good at the same time that the Pats were good because a good division rivalry is what the Pats just mm. never had. What about um, the? Uh, but, what it's yeah. a Highlander division. What
1: about the, 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 the idea that's been knocking around that potentially we might see Jimmy Garoppolo on the trade and that he'd be able to actually get the heir apparent that he wanted beforehand
0: back in-house? I mean, it's interesting. I don't know if the Niners would be willing to, to give him up. I mean, I think there's a lot of options out there. I've been thinking about potential. I mean, there's a lot of veteran quarterbacks. People like Matt Ryan might be available. It's magic. Stafford. Oh, Stafford. that interesting it's magic. Uh, there, There's... There are certainly options that they're going to have to be looked at. Cam is, is he's just not the answer any in any way, shape, or form. And I think that they just didn't mix well with the general offensive schemes that the Pats had anyway. So yeah, yeah. I just I it's going to be weird to be a, a fan of a normal team that struggles and has bad seasons and stuff. But I'll I'll get, I'll get used to it. Um, it'll be Welcome to experience. it, man.
1: I, like I'm still coming around to being a fan of a team that's good. So yeah, it, it's weird <laughs> for the first one. I suppose we move on then and have a look at the games for next week. Okay, first up, Minnesota at Detroit. Ronan, we've all gone for Minnesota. Yeah,
2: Detroit have a terrible run defense. Minnesota have Dalvin Cook. I'm sure they'll be looking to end the season on a positive note. And I imagine that should be more than enough against the Detroit team. That just, I don't, They probably won't have Stafford either. Yeah, just very little hope for Detroit who just, yeah, embarrassing this week and uh, not much to speak of there, to be honest.
1: No, of course. Next up, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. Me and Sean have gone for Tampa Bay. You've gone for Atlanta. Look, Atlanta played well against the Chiefs, but we have noticed a few teams have been playing them particularly well and then haven't really had great follow-up games to them. Tampa Bay have good quality organization, absolutely dunked on their team last week. But uh, the question mark is how many people will be playing for them? Like I said, there's, there is value to being the top wild card as you get to play the East team, which is presumably your best matchup. But you know do they give tom brady the the week off to try and uh, to try try and rest up as if he were to have a bye week and so on atlanta do have the personnel to be able to attack well particularly if they're against backups but yeah like i see tampa bay edging this because i think they are going to want to be that you know top wildcard seed if they can and atlanta like Atlanta always have a bit of a bounce back at the end of the season, but I'm not seeing a ton more uh, coming out of them. But again, if it's backups playing, uh, Atlanta would win. Uh, Sean, Jets at New England. Uh, we've gone for the Jets and you've gone for New England.
0: Yeah, I mean, partly I've I picked New England here because I just can't countenance the idea of us all, all three of us kind of sweeping for a Jets win. I mean, the Jets are still, <laughs> they're not the world's worst team anymore, but they're certainly one of the, Top 10 worst teams in NFL history, probably. I mean, they, the Pats only just about scraped a win over the Jets earlier in the season. Um, at the end of the season, no one's going to care very much. You could make the case the Jets are at least motivated to keep winning games because there's no point losing anymore. Yeah. But this being the final gay home game, will will Belichick just want to make things okay Give, give everyone a nice send-off and end the season there. I mean, I can't see this being a particularly good game, but but my heart just won't let me decide that the Jets are going to be good enough to beat the Pats, so I'm going to go for the, for the Pats to, to win Bill- this
1: one. Bill Belichick to quit at halftime and then join the New York Jets staff. <laughs> and coach the second half as no, the Yeah, I mean Trevor coach.
0: Lawrence Trevor Lawrence, you, you give him Trevor Lawrence that he could start another dynasty, you know. Or actually he <laughs> won't get Trevor Lawrence now, so yeah. Justin Fields. Go to, the I mean. Jags, Justin Fields go to the them, Jags. He should go to the Jags,
1: yeah. No um, days okay. off, Sean. No days off. No days off. We're on to Cincinnati. Uh, Dallas at New York Giants uh, we've all gone for Dallas across the board here like we said they've been good for the last couple of weeks relatively they have run game they have receivers Dalton has been playing decently enough behind that offensive line the Giants have problems uh they do have some good players but they also have their fumble they've had a couple of just complete like non-starters on offense as well so I can I can't I can't see in this matchup Dallas not Putting themselves in position to potentially win the division. Yeah, except it's the NFC East, so
2: I, you know, you can never say anything with any certainty ever. That's true.
1: Travelling da- all the way to New York for this game too—never great.
2: Like Daniel Jones showed some signs of life later in that game against Baltimore. We know he's been hurt, and obviously we know he's a player who without his like without his ability to get outside the pocket is you know basically not startable as a quarterback. So. If he can get another week healthier, if he could be kind of back where he was when the Giants were on a bit of a roll there, their defense, you know, hasn't completely collapsed. So I can still see it as being a pretty decent defense. And yeah, if Dallas do struggle, um, if Dallas do have like make turnovers, and Dalton has done that a couple of times, then they could be in a lot of trouble. Like Dallas, I think, you know, the Philly game is the one where I thought they actually put together a complete performance. But a lot of their wins have come off like easy fumbles, easy turnovers, getting early leads. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to pick Dallas. They're the better team on form. They're healthier at the moment. But uh, yeah, in the NFC East, you just never can pick any team with any confidence. You know, obviously, as mentioned earlier on, that, that this game might be irrelevant if Washington win on Sunday night football. But uh, if Washington do manage to lose, then the winner of this game will be going to the playoffs. So, hooray, I suppose.
1: Uh, next up to my pick of the week, Miami at Buffalo. I've gone for Buffalo. You guys have gone for Miami. No, I think this should be a good match. It's in division. It's exciting. Both teams are pushing playoff bound. Buffalo already playoff bound. Miami hoping to make that final push. They will be fighting for their lives in this, but also Buffalo, I believe, if if Pittsburgh were to lose, the Buffalo can take the second seed, correct? Mm, yes.
2: They're so, like, definitely. I would, I if
1: I was them, I would be pushing hard for that. Like, that means they get home field advantage, throughout. If the Chiefs happen to get knocked off, then Buffalo can have the AFC Championship game at home, but it also means they don't face the Chiefs until the Championship game, if they are to get that far. So, look, I think they will have stuff to play for. I think they match up well against this team. I think particularly if Tua is in, they match up well against them. But we will, we will see, like, Buffalo are also at home. But you guys, you like my Miami they are exciting I don't know what they're going to do with quarterback i I'm like I would be more happy to pick Miami if I knew that it was going to be uh Fitzmagic but yeah at the moment I'm going to have to side with Buffalo.
0: Yeah, I mean for me for me I think it's the the Dolphins have more to play for. I mean the Bills I mean there's there isn't a huge difference. I mean you, you there are some theoretical differences between the 2 seed and 3 seed, but there really aren't a huge it's not like past seasons where you've got the week off if you got the 2 seed so they're not overly incentivized, the Bills, to keep playing, whereas the Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot. So I think that kind of psychologically that they'll be there'll be a bit of a the, – the Bills, not necessarily on the beach, but, but but taking it a little bit easy, maybe not wanting to get injured before the, the playoffs, whereas the, the Dolphins would be fighting to the end. But I agree with you. I think with – I've heard that Tua is already been slated as the starter for this, but I, I think – if they go with Fitzmagic as a kind of relief, it could be an interesting end to the game. But certainly, as I said earlier, I I think Fitzmagic is the answer to this team in the playoffs. Um, I think it's just too soon for two. He might turn into a great quarterback down the line, um, but certainly not uh, yet. But,
1: there, 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 there's one additional wrinkle as well, side that I meant to mention, which is that if Buffalo were to lose this game, and Miami win, there is a, like, what, a, is it a 50-50 chance or something that Miami would be the team that they would then be playing in the first round of the playoffs? And I don't think you want to go into a playoff game having just lost to the team that you're playing.
2: Yeah, like, look, superstition, stuff like that. I suppose if you're Buffalo, you have, you've had a lot of bad beats, maybe you buy into that, but I don't think you can worry too much about that. I also think, like, Miami... Look, they haven't been convincing a lot of the time John the stretch, but they keep winning games. Like, I do rate Brian Flores. He seems like a really good coach. And yeah, Yeah. if Buffalo don't bring the game, I just see Miami having enough here. Um, If Buffalo are willing to go out here and, like I say, assert dominance one last time with Josh Allen throwing it around. Yeah, they could certainly win this game, but I just don't see enough incentive for them to do so this time.
1: No, of course. Next up is Sean's pick of the week, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. We've all gone for Cleveland, and the news on this one is that Mason Rudolph is going to be starting for Pittsburgh. So, uh, yeah, maybe Yeah, to the,
0: leave. <laughs> the, the biggest game uh, in the Browns, at least 18 years since the Browns have had a game this big. They really shouldn't be in this spot. They, they, they had, with the two New York teams back-to-back, they had the opportunity to seal their playoff spot. This could have been the AFC North, a championship game as in they could have been in it was a shot of winning the AFC North mm-hmm. um, had they kept winning but instead they're fighting for the playoff lives it's a win in, and they're in scenario it sounds like Pittsburgh are going to be playing uh, their backups the, the Steelers lost their bye week because of COVID so I can certainly see the excuses for why they wouldn't want to take this seriously um, coming in and the fact that the two and three seed maybe isn't all that different this season the big thing is the browns are going to have this psychological inferiority complex i talked about they got absolutely destroyed by the steelers earlier um in the season so they kind of got to get over that and, and put in a performance i mean if they don't if they don't make the playoff playing playoffs playing this well uh, I, I i don't know if they ever will i mean this team could, could have a psychological crutch that that kills them for a long time but um yeah it's i uh, yeah i choose to believe but I have in my later picks actually picked a, a, a result that would still put the Browns in, in the playoffs. They don't have to win, but if they do win, um, they're going to be in. Um, but even I have been like, hedging my bets about how likely it is that they might actually win this game.
2: And who, who's going to be motivated for this game? Miles Garrett. Garrett is
1: coming. <laughs> that cracker egg, No, do what's going to happen to <laughs> yeah, no, I'd like, particularly with the backups in Pittsburgh, you got to imagine Cleveland win this. And, like, if they want to be taken in any way seriously in the playoffs, they're going to have to be able to win this game. But, yeah, Cleveland, I would imagine, by a decent margin, hopefully uh, at home. Baltimore at Cincinnati, we've gone for Baltimore across the board, but Cincinnati did upset the Steelers that do play in division pretty well, and their defense has been better in the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago, Baltimore were knocked out of the playoffs by Cincinnati. Uh beating them yeah. in Week 17 and letting the Bills in. So, you know, I'm sure Baltimore will be keen to avoid that. But given their form, given Lamar looks see back where he was earlier on, or sorry, in 2019, it's very hard to pick against them. But yeah, Cincinnati, they, they put up some fireworks against Houston, but I think that Baltimore defense should be a bit more of a challenge for Brandon Allen and the lads.
1: No, of course. Um, yeah, like Baltimore are just on a rake of form of late. They look great. Uh, Vegas at Denver. Me and Sean have gone for Denver. You've gone for Vegas, Fitz? Yeah, like now that they're out of the playoffs, I'm sure Vegas will
2: return to actually being pretty good again because that's how bad the John Gruden is as a coach. And like just to mention, this is where the late window starts. So busy by the time the early window's over, we'll know who will be in the AFC uh, wildcards basically, and if who will be in if Washington lose. And now we're getting into the, the dead rubbers of this uh, window. Uh, but yeah, like the Raiders, they have Josh Jacobs, their offense has been pretty dynamic. Denver are down a lot of their cornerbacks, so Andrew Locke, I just, he's been making a lot of mistakes there, like recently. And yeah, even against a pretty bad Las Vegas defense, I could still see him making enough to, to allow a solid Vegas team feel better about themselves as they go into another year of mediocrity.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Like They always play tight in the vision, and Denver can't push them a bit, and Vegas have just been on a terrible run of not wanting to win games. Next up, Chargers at Kansas City. Uh, Me and Fitz have gone for the Chargers. Sean's gone for KC. The news on this one is that Andy Reid has said that a very large number of players are going to be benched slash only playing a couple of snaps in this game. So this is going to be the KC twos against the Chargers. I would imagine that the Chargers will be able to walk that, but equally there is a chance that this might be a... Because so I believe Andy has done it beforehand in this type of instance, it might be a kind of showpiece game for Eric Enemy and, his, ga- and his, his, his game-calling skills, allowing him to kind of arrange a lot more of the offense in this coming week. So there might be an added element to this as well, but uh, at the moment I can't really see past the Chargers if Casey are benching a lot of their starters, but we'll see beyond that. Uh, Seattle at San Fran fits. This is we've all gone for Seattle in this one. Like it's important to get the win to keep yourselves in contention for that number one seed, right?
2: Yeah. So this this and the next game are both completely contingent on whether Green Bay take care of business against Chicago. It might pick in a week. And if Green Bay win, then these games are basically dead robbers. But uh, look, Seattle—they're going for San Francisco. San Francisco are coming off a good win against Arizona. Seattle that will probably be scoreboard watching. I expect if Green Bay or New Orleans are are well up by half time, which is very possible um, that they might start pulling starters. And San Francisco, as we saw, are a well-coached team. Shanahan manages to, you know, um, make lemonade from lemons for seemingly all season. And I'm sure they'll be looking to make another stamp against their uh, division opponents. But like, look, uh, Seattle, if they if they if if the other two games are going close and they have something to play for, I expect them to have enough to take over San Francisco just because C.J. Bethard, if they can shut down the run, which they have been pretty good at this year, then C.J. Beathard isn't a good quarterback and I think that should be enough to get the job done. But yeah, this could be a San Francisco win if Seattle choose to pull some starters second half.
1: Kind of similar-ish territory. You're Carolina. We've all gone for New Orleans here, uh, I imagine because they're the better
0: team. <laughs>
1: Carolina, yeah, not, but although I, guess, I can't see New Orleans backups winning anyway, to be honest. Yeah, like you yeah, I mean, to, but that's, this, that's the thing, is it's pretty
0: backups. Yeah, this is my thought, is that the the Saints actually have some pretty good backups themselves and I mean, even just think about the quarterback situation, is is, is does James Winston play? I mean it's it's mm-hmm. or do you give Taysom Hill another run out? I mean, yeah, it's um No, I mean, Week 17 is always weird like this. You can never tell which teams are going to turn up. But it should be a good game because both teams are quite well coached. So you could see some fun stuff going on, even if it is a meaningful game.
1: Oh, fun. Next up is Ronan's pick of the week. It's Green Bay at Chicago. Green Bay fighting for a number one seeding. Chicago fighting for the playoffs. Yeah,
2: so Green Bay have a lot to play for here. Getting that buy is obviously huge this year. Obviously, getting to play at Lambo is huge, especially since we just saw the advantage in terms of weather games and having more like being more used to Lambo's conditions. So I think Green Bay, we all agree, are a better team, Um they obviously have Devonte Adams, who's in absolute like superstar form at the moment. Aaron Rodgers is on route to MVP unless he has a spectacular fail here and even then probably still gets it. And their defense, like, look, it's not the best defense in the league, but it's generally Jair Alexander is very good at shutting down number one wide right receivers. And if you shut down Alan Robinson, really the offense will come down to whether it's Chicago and get David Montgomery going. Um, this is a really important game, obviously, for Chicago. If they win, they will make the playoffs. So they will have everything to play for. I'm sure they'll try to grind down Green Bay, control the clock, and try to ensure that Mitch Trubisky has the minimum chances possible to you know, make a, a game-breaking mistake. But like, look, Mitch, outside of the boneheaded mistakes, has been looking better. He's been making better reads, um, mostly by not taking second or third reach, just taking the first read and running, and has been getting that offense moving better with, along with Montgomery. We know that their defense, when it plays, can be one of the best defenses in the league. They can give Green Bay conniptions. And so when Sean talked earlier about Green Bay being a team that could get smacked in the mouth when they come against a tough team, Chicago have many flaws, but they do have the kind of, you can kind of see the primordial DNA for them to be the type of team that can run the ball, that can bend hard and can make Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's life hard. So I wouldn't count Chicago out of there, but I just think the talent deficit means that it's very hard to pick against Green Bay here. So uh, it should be It's really important game. Probably for me, the, the most important game probably should have been Sunday Night Football, in my opinion. But uh, mm. yeah, it, it, it should be really interesting. And obviously, in division, it's even more exciting because of that.
1: Of course, Arizona at the Rams. Uh, me and Fitz got for Arizona. Sean, you've gone for the Rams. This is obviously, uh, I believe this is winning in, and there's a chance that could, both teams could go through, correct?
2: Right? Yeah, so
1: depending what happens to the Chicago game, it'll depend
2: on that. Uh, I believe if Chicago lose and Arizona win, then the both of them get in. Um, but if the Rams win, then only the Rams will get in with Chicago. So look, Arizona have to win this game to, to guarantee the to, to guarantee the playoffs. Um so they'll be more motivated, but the Rams, even with a backup quarterback, you can't dismiss them because of that defense, of course. But uh look, I, I just think Arizona uh, they're, they're more exciting to watch. the they actually have a good quarterback, so I'm willing to pick them because I'd rather see them and probably over Chicago as well in the playoffs as a team that could be at least creating some interesting, fun matchups there.
0: Yeah, neither of these teams are teams that I really trust. There's a lot of inconsistencies. They both had very bad kind of losses paired with really good wins as well. Obviously, the quarterback situation will decide um, a lot of things uh, here. I'm going for the Rams simply. I mean, I think it's a toss-up. I just, I've most recently seen the Cardinals disappoint. So I'm I'm kind of back in terms of, of thinking the Rams might be slightly better. But I, I mean, both of these teams, they look like number six or number seven seeds. They look like teams that just aren't quite at the standard of the teams um, above them. So it kind of can go either way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals win. But, but uh, I mean, yeah, the Rams have maybe better coaching and better defense is, might be the edge uh, here.
2: Like, Aaron Hobbold is one of the few defensive players who's so good that he can cancel out the fact that they have a better quarterback, almost doubly so if, if Rams are playing their, their backup. Um, So if the Rams do win this, it will probably because Aaron Donald absolutely destroyed uh, Kyler Murray or whoever comes in all game. And he's certainly capable of that. So I wouldn't dismiss the Rams, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Jacksonville and Indianapolis have gone for Indianapolis because Jacksonville are barely a football team. Uh, They've locked up the number one seed. I don't think they're going to be doing much apart from maybe a few players trying to show off their wares to try and pick up a job next year. This game is only relevant, dependent on other game outcomes. So... We'll see. Well, no, but, I think the Colts
0: have to. The Colts have to win. They, they have to win.
2: They have to win to keep their yeah. hopes alive. But if everyone else wins—Tennessee, Cleveland, Miami, and Baltimore—they will still be on the outside. But
0: yeah, I yeah. like.
1: Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in in Indianapolis, need to win, but it also it, it might not be enough. So sorry, that's what I meant yeah. by it. Yeah. Also, let's be honest. I don't think any of us really doubt that they can beat a Jacksonville team.
0: Oh, I certainly think. I think Fitz might have other
1: ideas. Minshew, come on, Minshew,
2: come back in and, and, keep <laughs> and you know you could see a load of quarterbacks in for Jacksonville in this game because you know they're all going to be out of the job pretty soon. So, so they might as well be allowed to to to, to make their bring back Jake Luton, insanity, uh, and make yeah. him win the Wildcat. Yeah, like Indianapolis should win this game easily, but considering what they did this week, uh, we'll give Jacksonville like a one percent chance.
1: Uh, Tennessee at Houston. I, me, and Fitz gone for Tennessee. Sean, you've gone for Houston.
0: Yeah, so there's two reasons I've kind of picked Houston here. Firstly, because this is my backup if if the Browns don't win <laughs> and they need someone else to lose, I think this is the one that's most likely to lose because I can't see the Colts losing to Jacksonville. And I mean, maybe the Dolphins will fall to the fall to the Bills, but I think this could be a real banana skin. For the second reason, which is that the Titans have no pass defense, and Deshaun Watson could just have a game where he just goes goes crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and scores a lot of points. So, I mean, I, I think it could be a closer game than you think. The Texans have nothing to play for, but divisional pride is a, is a thing. Watson mm. is going to, you know, if this is probably going to be on national TV. He'll want to show off. The Titans have looked a little bit sketchy in games where they've had to, to fight for it a bit so so yeah it certainly is being difficult but I mean a lot of this, I, a lot of this pick is, is sentiment that I need I need a backup just in case the Browns uh, don't get the, the win that they do.
2: yeah like a huge shootout like Houston just had this week is the only scenario where Houston can win They need to get up early uh, or at least keep it even because if, if, if Tennessee get any lead they're gonna, King Henry is going to absolutely destroy that run defense. And Houston won't have a shot because they won't have enough time on the field. But uh, yeah, like Deshaun Watson, I think he picked up a bit of a hurt, like a an in, like a small injury this week. They say he's going to play anyway because it's the Texans and they're they don't care about their future apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Tennessee and Houston in a shootout, I give Houston a shot, but I'd still probably prefer Tennessee to something in that scenario even though we'll
1: see, we'll see. And then finally, uh, our uh, prime time uh, game, Washington at uh, Philly. Uh, game we've got, got Philly. Ugh. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I think that the only way this season of the NFC East can, can the, old, the 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 most perfect ending is that the division is won because the team that can win it at the end loses um, and is beaten by a team already eliminated. That <laughs> the one team that's actually eliminated from the NFC East contention beats the one team that can actually win it outright, and that means that another team wins by default. I think that's the only way the NFC East is ending. No team is capable of winning this division, just all the other teams um, have lost it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. That does, that does have a nice ring play- to it. Yeah, especially if, if Smith isn't playing, I mean, the, the Washington has no, but no offense without Smith or, or Gibson. So, I mean, it's, at least with Jalen Hurts, Philly have looked a little bit more sprightly in the last few weeks, so they, they're going to Uh, be there I just I don't know this is a terrible pick for this is capitalism gone wrong this is what happens when (laughs) you play to to media markets as opposed to I blame the Jets and the
2: Colts we could have had Pittsburgh Cleveland for the AFC (laughs) North and instead we have this trash and I don't want it anywhere near my football. And this is the, you know, technically we exist. We live in Europe and we live in Ireland, so we don't have to stay up for this shit. And no, I'm not certainly not staying up for this shit. But the fact that I'm not anyway. This is the most important game that the NFL could find in Week 17. You know, the fact that I know the Green Bay Chicago game technically could have been dead in the water or whatever like that. But I'd rather watch Green Bay and Chicago fight for you know Green Bay fight for the number one seed um, than I would for this shit. So yeah. You know, enjoy your ratings and your NFC's market numbers, whatever. <laughs> but you can fuck off if you think, oh, we're going to be watching this on the podcast. This is a, you know, 40-minute digest of uh, on, on Game Pass. At, 40 minutes? I'm going to, I'm going to take best. the 12-minute highlights. Yeah. 12 minutes of highlights? I'm sure it would be like five minutes, you know. God, damn it. this is a terrible game. Do not watch.
1: No, of course, and I'm sure the listeners are waiting on tender hooks for this. Uh, I have pulled one game ahead in the picks race so far, going into week 17. So it's very close at the moment, and we will at the end of the season also normalize up uh, Sean, so we can see where he would be. Uh, I yeah,
0: I think I'm I think I'm behind because I think I started 35 behind, and I'm now 45, 41, 42. Don't behind. spoil it
1: for the listeners. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, no, but uh, any, any any other crack for the weekend, lads?
0: Yeah, so I, I might crack into my, my Christmas books. I got a few good ones. I got the New the New England Patriots book, The, the Dynasty oh, um, yeah. by Jeff Benedict, I've, I've been interested in what that's like, to, uh, that is, Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to having a read of that. And I got the Bracco Obama book as well, so I might crack into that as well. So I think that'll be, be my, my weekends for the next while, anyway. Mm. Um, two
1: different types of Patriots. I like it.
0: Um, <laughs> next. <laughs> Not much happening
2: in New Year's for anyone because obviously in Ireland, the, the COVID thing finally get caught up and we're all yeah, full of it. in lockdown. Yeah, pretty much looking at level five, our highest level over here. And so, yeah, yeah, probably just keeping quiet, quiet and then heading back to Cork at some point next week, probably. just.
1: I think we're similar. We're chill out in the house for years and then we'll take a swing back down to Dublin. Catch the games on Sunday. Should be fun. Yeah, well, it was Merry Christmas from us all here. That'll do us for Happy week. 2021. Happy 2021. Here's hoping it's better than this year could not be much worse. Yeah, yeah. Here's how His we'll... It's words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jinx it. Uh, but as always for now, that's bye from me, bye from Norman. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. 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 It's been all for all thanks for listening. We'll see you in the new year.